It's taking a turn for the worst, at least in my opinion, it is taking a turn for the worst. So when we're talking legal troubles, I got to go in and go get an expert, mm-hmm. my guy Daniel. Uh, co-host of the Conduct Detrimental Podcast. He's been on here multiple times. He's our guy. What's up, Daniel? Welcome. How you doing today? Uh, Norm, I'm good. It's always a pleasure to join. Uh, last week we were talking Air Bud and, uh, and uh, some some fun movies of the past, but this week uh, obviously some more serious stuff on the Detroit Monster Prom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I wish I wish we could be talking uh, more of a, a vanilla topic, but you know, we, we, we got to address this, and people have been chiming in and, and, and hitting us up on Twitter all week and asking for you to come back on and give an update and talk about the legal case with LSU with LSU that's all going on just because they love your expertise and how you paint the picture for the people. So let's, let's start off with the updates with Deshaun Watson. Why don't you give us the updates with uh, the Houston Police Department now conducting the investigation? So we have a couple updates. Uh, I guess there's probably two, and I, I probably have some, uh, I don't know, so if anyone's following the case very closely, something that was misreported previously. But here's, here's the, uh, the update. 20-plus uh, women have now filed civil lawsuits uh, against Sean Watson, so that number keeps ticking up. All of the civil lawsuits are filed by an attorney representing all of these, these civil lawsuits, a guy named Tony Busby. So no new attorneys have popped up. Um, there is uh, now, at least since we last spoke, a police report that was filed with the Houston Police Department. BD was not connected to Tony Busby's firm, um, but Tony Busby has now said otherwise, which uh, Norma for counting is probably the 20th time that uh, Tony Busby has said something that turned out not to actually be the case. Um, but yeah, the, the update, you know, the biggest update from early in the week, obviously the press conference uh, that happened. Uh, and he had uh, two of the uh, his 20 plus clients uh, identify themselves by name, and one of those two has filed a police report with uh, with a different police uh, police department, not the Houston Police Department. So, two basically two different uh, police department police departments handling these cases, and uh, yeah, still 20 cases going on in the civil court. <sighs> That's it's starting it's, it's starting to pile up now. Two of the the, the alleged victims have come out. To name themselves, and one went on record to explain some of the allegations. How does that affect the case with two of the the victims coming out displaying their names now? So this is the the fascinating question, and if you're uh, paying attention to my feed, and Norm, I know you are, we have a kind of an update on that front. So you think, right? Two people coming forward is important, right? We need people to put names to these allegations, and. You know, I'm not on either side. I'm just telling you what's normal, what's not normal. Um, on a civil lawsuit, uh, it's not really that typical, at least where I'm from over in New York, that the person that's getting sued doesn't even know who's suing them. Um, and if you can imagine if it happened to you, you'd like to know who's suing you so right. possibly you could be able to mount a defense. Deshaun Watson's attorney, Rusty Harden, who we've talked about, you know, he's, he's a big gun, right, the hired gun. He's essentially filed a, uh, a filing today with the, with the court saying that all 20 of these people that have filed civil lawsuits, that's not fair, that you shouldn't be able to file a lawsuit and not put your name on it. So he's asking for those to get dismissed, to get knocked off, and for people to only be allowed to rebring their claims if they were to list their full name. Because, you know, as we've seen, Tony Busby doesn't want to give their names for, for some odd reason. Obviously, he's, Watson's entitled to them. 
But Hardin's basically saying, if Busby's not going to give me them, I want these cases dismissed, and I want these people to have to come forward and put their name attached to these allegations. So before everyone thinks that that's strange and maybe that's unfair, the Antonio Brown case that you know we dealt with a year and a half ago, the plaintiff in that case identified herself by name, so Antonio Brown was able to defend himself. That someone's name is going to be able, the other attorney is going to be able to get it in discovery. But for whatever reason, Busby doesn't want to, uh, you know, disclose that. Maybe his his clients are afraid of names, but that's the kind of the nature of the beast when you file in civil court and you want to collect uh, money and you're going after monetary judgment. You have to kind of be able and willing to put your name attached to that. So. Yeah, I mean, you can uh, maybe uh, confidentially ask to give your name to the other side, but you can't just not identify yourself at any point in time. That that would be pretty unfair to the person defending those allegations. Now, Sean Watson's defense, earlier before these updates, his defense came out and they released some names, or, or not names, but they released some masseuses in support of Deshaun Watson. How is that type of tactic as a defense for Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, it does kind of look kind of bad to say, oh, I have some people on my side versus the other people on the other side. So, um, you know, I, I actually went through all those statements, and uh, maybe, Norm, you'd be surprised. All of those masseuses that are on Watson's site gave their full names. Right? They gave first and last name, and I think that was very intentional. Rusty Harden, the attorney, uh, you know, I'm sure he was in some way, shape, or form behind getting the statements. Um, but he's making this case, hey, we're not afraid to come forward with the facts and put our names and put people's names attached. If these masseuses on the other side, you know, if we're going to believe them, they have to put their names on it. So he, he's made that point a couple times. And again, um, does it necessarily help, uh, you know, does it win in the case? No. Um, I don't know. And I'm, I'm with you, Norm. I think it, there's a, a narrative where that might hurt the case a little bit, right? Because it went from, hey, why does Deshaun Watson have 24 different masseuses to now, why does Deshaun Watson have 50 different masseuses? Right, right. So, yeah, it's, it's the, the only reason, I mean, obviously the case isn't having, it's barely even started. Obviously, we're, we're still going to find out more. Um, that said, like, this is the time to throw your best punch, right? Watson is getting crushed, and, and I'm seeing it on social media. The, the press conference really, I think, turned a lot of tides. Nike's dropped him. Beats by Dre has dropped him. This is the time to come forward with your best counterpunch. And if that's his best counterpunch, uh, that could tell you a lot about his defense. Yeah, and that, that's something that just is really eye-opening, Daniel. This is Lyndon. I want to ask you a question about, because I was talking to my father, who's a lawyer, and I wanted to know, does the fact that it's not a criminal, like not a, not a criminal lawsuit, does that affect the I guess the outlook from I guess either the judge or the the different lawyers does the fact that it's a civil suit play into effect more so than if it if it was a criminal suit? Um, yes and no. I mean, you could bring a civil suit. Um, I I think I don't. I guess uh, it may sound like I'm saying something bad, but I'm, I'm not intending to. If you file a civil lawsuit. The only remedy that you're going to get, the only thing that the court is going to award is money. That's what a civil lawsuit is for. You get money. So for Tony Busby to say, hey, this case is not about money, it's a little facetious because that's what a civil case is for. If it wasn't about money, you have a much easier alternative, or really a two alternatives. You can A, go to the police department if it's not about money, or B, you have a press conference, which Tony Busby loves to do, and you talk about the charges, and you can make an example of Deshaun Watson. You don't need a lawsuit to make an example out of someone. So 
Um, if you ask me why is it between civil and criminal, I think Busby's message kind of rings hollow. This is not about the money, and it took him three weeks to go to a police department. Um, it, maybe now it's not about the money because he's filing police charges. Uh, but at some point, it clearly was about the money because he signed 20 different civil complaints that were seeking money. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I'm just trying for people to know the facts. A lot of this is lip, lip service, and actions do speak louder than words. The way that this case is being painted, right, a new complaint every day and, you know, he's, uh, the press conferences, this is a case that, if you're asking me, and I'm not listening to anything that the attorneys are saying, just what they're doing, this is being positioned as a case to put exponential leverage on top of Deshaun Watson. And the way the case is being handled and treated day by day, that's what caused the sponsors to drop out. Because if you filed all 20 lawsuits on the same day, you know, that's one thing. But this drip, drip, drip of information, uh, it, it's highly effective if you're Tony Busby, but it's really harming Watson's image. And you saw that play out literally yesterday. It was like the red wedding of sponsorships. Everyone dropped him. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough look, especially when we're not in court yet. So, you know, so much for innocent until proven guilty, at least in the court of sponsorship, Watson's already guilty. We're here with Daniel Sports Law Lust, co-host of the Conduct Detrimental Podcast, Daniel. Now, when we talking about endorsement deals and me and we talked about, you know, if this had to blow over, he can survive with endorsement deals and, and getting money. With Nike suspending his endorsement deal, Drapey's dropping him. How does that affect a, a player or a celebrity in a long term once this all plays out? Can he just mend that relationship or does is the burn or is the bridge completely burned? I mean, that's almost a question for your listeners, right? I mean, I, I can tell you from my vantage point, right, if someone is really exonerated, and let's say, obviously it doesn't, it looks kind of bleak for Watson now, but, uh, you know, at one point it looked pretty bleak for O.J. Simpson, and O.J. beat the charges, so, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it's that, you know, that type of situation, but, like, you know, this is why you hire a Rusty Harden to, to fight this case, right? There's any number of things that could get someone off the case, be it evidentiary issues or maybe uh, Tony Busby acting, uh, you know, as Tony Busby tends to do and putting his foot in his mouth. So by no means is this a done deal. We've barely started any of these cases. That's very important. Um, that said, all of these sponsorship deals, uh, you know, the reason that, that they can kind of cut bait and they can suspend them is because they have, uh, for the most part, uh, some type of morals clause. If you have something that you do that impacts the company, impacts the image of the company, you can get let go. Now, long term, if Watson beats the charges, right, um, should he have a right to these deals back? Uh, you know, it's obviously, if that's the case and he didn't do anything wrong, these whole things are made up and they're facetious, he should, in theory, be able to get back to where he was. But we know that's not the case. We know, and just, you know, the people that have been studied on this, more people read the news of allegations that actually read what happened, uh, you know, in the final instance. Right. People make their first impression, and it's very hard to change it. So. If uh, somebody read it and someone's convinced that they that Watson did it, even if he gets off, there's still going to be a large percentage of those people that said, eh, he got off, but it was a technicality. I still think he did it. And it, and it will uh, objectively hurt his, his sponsorship and his marketing deals moving forward. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't think it's fair. I just, you know, that's, that's really the way that it works. I and, mean, again, it's, it's really it's a tough scene if you're Watson, but if he's found guilty, I mean, it, it makes sense for these brands to defend themselves. So what, what would a moral clause look like or what's the litigation in a moral clause that can get that can they can just terminate this? Like, like you say, it's been a drip process. I can see if they terminated the deals when all the allegations came out at once, or if they waited until it played out. 
how does a moral contract or a moral clause work with such celebrities? It's just a big brand like Nike, right? You know, it's a big brand like Beats by Dre. It's, 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 these are big brands, and you can't, you know, for example, if you went off on social media and said, and said something really bad, right, in this meet the Me Too movement or the cancel culture movement, there's language written in that you can't do or say things that embarrass the company or there is a, uh, you know, if they have reason to believe or there's allegations or some, some of them are going to be really one-sided that they can cut you for whatever reason without, without giving you the reason. Um, it depends. I mean, a company like Nike, and this is why, you know, uh, maybe uh, projecting out a little bit, if a company like Nike, which is very big on, like, athletes' rights and athletes first, if they're the one that makes the first move and everyone follows suit, it puts a lot of pressure on the NFL. Hey, those guys sent a message. Now, if we don't suspend Watson, what message does that send mm -hmm. on our end? Right, right. You know, obviously, you know, obviously the NFL is going to conduct an investigation, but – uh, NFL has not always made the right decision when it comes to these, you know, suspensions on, on kind of sensitive issues. I remember uh, Norm, you know, uh, with the Ray Wright situation, uh, to slap on the wrist a little bit of two-game suspension for what was, you know, alleged domestic violence, and that was on tape. Um, so we'll see. I don't, I don't think the NFL is in the business of, uh, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll say this. The NFL protects the shield, put it that way, and I, and I think it would be odd if they didn't protect the shield after Nike, right? They're protecting the swoosh, so you can you can draw that comparison there. Uh, you and you paint the picture so very perfectly, well. very so vividly. Now, as we segue to LSU, there's some serious allegations coming out against former running back Darius Geis, and Ed Argeron's in the midst of it behind the sexual harassment of Miss Gloria Scott back in 2017, and Darius Geis has come out to deny speaking. To Miss Gloria, he's already has been in trouble with alleged uh, domestic violence. Can you give us a little bit of insight into what's going on and um, the the coach, the AAU coach, uh, Cleveland Williams, asking for a hundred thousand dollars in compensation? Can you give us? Can you can you take us a little bit into it? Um, you know, I, I haven't been following this case as closely. I know uh, our, our mutual friend, Norm, I was talking to David Grubb about uh, uh, Coach O's defense over here. Um, I know Coach O was saying that he, he uh, at no point spoke to, I think, uh, Gloria Scott, the, uh, you know, the woman accusing guys of making these claims, said that Coach O called her and tried to kind of sweep it under the rug. Um, but as, you know, I, as, uh, I joke, you know, if Coach O calls you, like, you know who's on the other line, right? Coach sure. O has like a one in a million voice, probably one in a lifetime voice. Um, but, yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's a really messy case. Uh, I, I, just, I hate seeing all these different LSU stories because I tend to be a fan of everything that Coach O did over at LSU. But, you know, it seems to be something a little bit darker under the rug, especially – uh, you know, I know, I know we'll get into it, but I know there's a massive, massive lawsuit that the associate AD is filing, uh, following now, uh, it's filing against the school for, for millions of dollars. So you're going to get into that I don't know, too. It's, it's a very messy, messy scene at LSU. Uh, I mean, it's really, uh, it's just a shame to see. Could, could all of these cases at one time compiled against each other, help both Gloria and Shannon Lewis, who's like you said, um, suing LSU for multiple reasons? Yeah, so Sharon Lewis is the AD who's suing this. It's a $50 million Title IX lawsuit, and she's alleging that she was basically retaliated against following this less mild investigation. Um, 
Uh, put it this way, right? When there's smoke, there's fire. It's not mm. just an expression, right? It's, attorneys will say that in the courtroom. It's a very sexy opening argument, closing argument. Uh, you know, it's, it makes sense. Like, what was going on, right? Is it this lack of institutional control? What was going on at LSU that all these stories are popping up, right? Again, to some extent, these are allegations. But even with the Les Miles allegation, you know, I mean, there was a finding that said that the school did something wrong. You know, I, I, I don't. I think these two reports that came in on LSU, and then you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't find any evidence that, um, you know, necessarily like what the allegations about Les Miles were true. What the findings were, and why there was punishment that went on internally at LSU, is that LSU didn't do enough to control the situation. And those are the same type of comments that were made. Uh, at Penn State back in the day, like what right. was going on? How, right. how did the people not understand what was going on under their under their roof? So, um, you know, again, we talk about the court of public opinion. The court of public opinion is why you know lawyers mentioned it because a jury pool at the end of the day, if you use a jury on these cases, uh, they're they're paying attention to the news, right? They're paying attention that there's some smoke going around LSU, and that's why sometimes you tend to see allegations pop up one after the other, like uh, you know, in the, in the Busby case you know, with, uh, with Watson or now in LSU, when there's smoke, there's fire. And, you know, people are attracted to that. And, and more people feel the need or, or feel, uh, you know, encouraged, incentivized to come out and, uh, I don't know, kick someone when they're down is right. But it's like an easy target right now, LSU. So if someone was on the fence about bringing a claim, like, uh, this is kind of the, the right time to bring it from a strategic standpoint. Now, in some of her claims, she, in one of her, her claims, she says she was denied, um, a raise, a pay increase, when one of her superiors uh, doubled his pay his pay by more than a half a million dollars. Is that anything illegal on LSU's part? I mean, in a vacuum, though. No. I mean, there's the people, there's all sorts of reasons, and I can tell you. I have cases now. I meet my client. They come in, and they tell me the best version of the facts, and then I tell the other <laughs> attorney, hey, my client says X, and he goes, well... Did he tell you about the time that he did X and Y and Z and the other thing? I'm like, well, he probably left that part out. So, um, you know, it, it happens a lot. You're allowed to make an allegation that something is improper. Uh, you know, we got to allow LSU the ability to respond and say, hey, no, the reason that this, you know, that someone else or her, you know, her colleague was paid more than her is because he did X, he did Y, he did Z. There was some non-discriminatory purpose for the, you know, the, the disparity in getting paid. Um, you give this other side of, you know, ability to respond. Um, but yeah, I mean, is there a world where that was discriminatory? Sure. But, you know, you can't. That's why the plaintiff bears the burden in these cases, right? They got to prove it. The other side can mount any number of defenses and say, hey, no, he was uh, given more money for X, Y, Z, and Q, these five different reasons. Uh, and then it's the plaintiff's burden to prove, you know, that's not actually the case. You know, none of those things are true. And here I have an email, uh, you know, a secret email, a smoking gun that says, you know, that says uh, that her co a colleague was the worst, and there's no no reason. So, yeah, uh, it's definitely the plaintiff's burden to bear at the end of the day. So, of all in her allegations, what do you think most would stick to the lawsuit? Because, I mean, she's asking for a lot with $50 million. So, I just want to see, of all the allegations, because like you said, it's, she has to prove, was the pay increase just and why, and go through all those litigations, and then the other allegations kind of of he said, she said, with Les Miles saying it was too many overweight girls, too many ugly girls. Uh, it's, it's, I, I don't see that. I see that getting thrown out in the court, but the part that sticks with me is, like you said, they didn't do right by the people. They didn't do right what they were supposed to in terms of protecting the people. They protected the brand. 
is that the biggest sticking point of our lawsuit? I don't know. I mean, you know, she's coming out and asking for a big number, fifty million. I, I don't, I don't really see where that comes from. And I'm just speaking candidly. Um, you know, I, I guess that this is a, it's a serious issue and it's Title IX. There's, uh, you know, I'm just going to read. You know, I think the statement is, uh, it's kind of telling. And she's saying that the LSU intentionally set out to destroy the professional career of one of the most successful black women in NCAA sports. I mean, it, she's dropping some bombs. I mean, she's obviously going uh, uh, for the. Say the scorched earth approach, which is going right after the university and a really damning claim. I think that's the thinking point, right? And, and you know, we talk about when's the right time to bring these allegations. Title IX, uh, it's you know, it comes up a lot. It comes up a lot during the men's and women's uh, March Madness bracket because there's a lot of giant disparity. People start screaming Title IX issues. Uh, Title IX, I don't know if any, if most people know this, Title IX wouldn't necessarily apply to a men's and women's uh, basketball uh, disparity because it's a little complicated, but. Um, you know, there's court cases that say that it wouldn't apply in that context. But the fact that everyone's talking about Title IX, and this is, you know, the week that she files a lawsuit right after the, you know, March, and, March Madness is done, um, you know, I, I think it's important. You know, she's, she's trying to, uh, you know, make, it, make an argument when a lot of eyeballs are on, uh, you know, on the NCAA scene, on LSU. So, yeah, I mean, the sticky point, I think, for me, is the big number, right? And it's Ellis, it's Les Miles, uh, it's, you know, obviously a national championship winning coach of the organization. So, a loaded claim. I don't think anything necessarily in particular sticks out to me, but you know, big number. Timing is right to file it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a it's a case everyone's got to watch, but it's one of many things that that seem to be bringing down the ship of LSU. And the last question I'm gonna ask you, and this back with the the guy the Darius Geis case, the AAU coach who was speaking on behalf of Gloria asked for a hundred thousand dollars in compensation in order for her to not come out public. Or Darius Geis had to sit out the Citrus Bowl. If if a, if the defense has that on tape, could the entire case be thrown out? Is there any validity still to the claims? I mean, so the, I guess the allegation is that she said that she wanted a hundred thousand dollars. Well, that's what the her the person that was speaking for her yeah, said that she wanted. And now she's coming out saying that she didn't say that, but he they have an audio of him asking for $100,000 in compensation or Darius guys not playing in the Citrus Bowl. Oh, this is this is why you call me on, guys. I come with the with the uh, expertise here. Uh, settlement negotiations, right? Uh, we'll see what the exact context is came up with, but in general, settlement negotiations can't be used as evidence. It kind of goes back to the Watson case, right? The fact that Watson might have wanted to settle this the first accuser, we didn't talk about it, but similarly, the first accuser asked Watson for $100,000. Um, you know, and I know those emails have been coming out the last couple of days on the Watson front, um, but those aren't evidence, right? Someone might want to settle the case. LSU might want to settle the case for $100,000 to make an issue go away. Watson might. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're guilty. So short answer is, will it look really bad? Uh, probably it would look bad to someone's case. But um, you know, there's another argument that says, like, hey, why is that necessarily relevant? So there's something uh, you could have an evidentiary fight, whether that can come in or that can't come in. But there's not necessarily a world where that is allowed in a, in a court proceeding. One side would argue it's really relevant. And the other side would say, hey, we were talking about settling the case because, you know, from a cost-benefit perspective, we wanted it to go away. But it's not something that a jury should see. So short answer is it, it doesn't necessarily even come in. Uh, if it does, obviously, it's going to have a, a monster effect on, on the credibility of the party bringing it. Okay. Okay.
Now see, and I appreciate coming on and and painting out the picture. And you, you are so much smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. No, you know what? You know what, Norm? I'm gonna play the fifth on that one. Go play the fifth on that one. Now, Daniel, why don't you give the people your social media handles where they can go and listen to the Conduct Detrimental podcast on all platforms? Conduct Detrimental, as Dorm said, and I'm at Sports Law Lust on Twitter and Instagram, always providing, we'll call it the front page of Sports Law. Uh, and that can be from uh, Nike shoes with uh, knockoffs, and they're suing the company that's producing Satan, uh, the Air Maxes, uh, or it can be stuff like Watson or uh, Name, Image, and Likeness, and obviously the LSU case. So. I, I always cover that intersection. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. I enjoy it. And like you said, I need y'all to go listen to him talk about that uh, Lil Nas X shoes. <laughs> I repeat that it's crazy. I appreciate you, Daniel. Thanks, man. That was Daniel, host of the Conduct Detrimental podcast. Come on and come clarify some Sharon Lewis, mm-hmm. her lawsuit against LSU. Yep. Darius Geis and... Ed Algeron having to testify in the case of Miss Gloria Scott, then Deshaun Watson, an update of his allegations, and the report of the two women turning into a uh, a criminal case versus yeah. the civil case of the other 18 women. So, again, I appreciate that. that I, hey, he pleaded the fifth. <laughs> but Daniel is so smart, man. I appreciate him coming on, man. That was the awesome. 